Thank you for listening to the Valley Point Church podcast. We are currently in the series, Flaw Faith, a delightful series on how not to be. We hope it's a blessing. Well, here is our statement for today or our big idea. And that is, if you want to have blah faith, never ask questions. If you want a faith that is lacking in meaningful content, if you want a faith that is boring, then never ask questions. Never. Don't do it. You may or not remember back in May, Ben Jones and I walked through a Sunday where I did my best to answer some of the questions that many of you had submitted. It was a really fun day. I tried my best to answer those questions, and I couldn't answer every single question. We just didn't have enough time. If you've been mad at me because I didn't answer your question on that day, then good news, today is your day, all right? Because we're going to go back to some of those questions that I couldn't answer, and we're going to do our best to respond to them and provide some biblical context to those questions. And the reason that I think we want to do that, and it's needful for us to do that, is because if we don't ask good questions, tough questions, about our faith and about our friendship with God and the things that we struggle with occasionally, I think our walk with Christ will become a little blah. And we don't want that to happen. So we're going to ask some tough questions today And I think you're all going to benefit from this. To help me answer these questions, I want to welcome Sherry Kelly and my wife, Tanya Kohler, to the stage. Will you help me welcome them? You need to know that throughout the year, I often give writing and research assignments to Tanya and Sherry. And they do a wonderful job just investigating scripture and providing content for me. Occasionally, we get to do things like this, and they are such a great help. So thank you for being here. They're both in love with God. They're theologically trained, and they love studying Scripture. And I do believe you're really going to learn quite a bit from how they respond today. So we've got some tough questions in front of us. I'm going to begin with Sherry here. And that is, how can we help others? This is the question asked. How can we help others? who feel that God's grace has abandoned them. So before you answer that, there's a couple of questions related to the grace of God, which is a very interesting thing to study. And in Scripture, the definition of grace is unmerited favor. It's God giving to me what I don't deserve. That's grace. So the question is, how can we help someone who feels that the unmerited favor of God has abandoned them? What do you think? Well, the work of grace in our lives is never finished. Grace has two jobs. Um, Grace is what saves us when we first put our trust in Christ alone. Grace is also what transforms us for the rest of our lives to be more like Christ. Mm -hmm. So grace is something that never leaves us because God is never finished drawing us closer to himself and forming our character, Mm. our thoughts, our feelings, our choices and actions, so that we not only know God and understand him better and better, 
but we also change to become like him. One of my first verses is Colossians 3.10, which mm. says, as you learn to know your creator and become like him. That's great. Grace also encourages us to draw close to God, to talk to him. Hebrews 4.16 says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our grace-filled God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Mm. So is it fair to say that from a truth perspective, what we find in Scripture, and from God's big picture as well, that his grace, his unmerited favor is always available to us, always? Right, because grace is unmerited. Whether or not we deserve it has nothing to do with it. God is always reaching out to us. Yeah, and it's wonderful news because it helps us to understand that grace depends on, it's all God. Yeah. It depends on him and not, not us. me. Yeah. All right, so this is a very sensitive question that I know leaves many people feeling very hopeless and discouraged, depressed, and angry and hurt. So the question is this, how do you trust God's grace, here's this theme again, how do you trust God's grace and fairness when you were sexually abused as a child? This one issue clouds my faith on a daily basis. I know he exists intellectually, I know that, but I don't get this. And so Tanya, I've asked you to speak to this because this is part of your story. Uh, this is a tough question, um, one that we do need to address, and I will do my best to answer and to share what God has uh, taught me and how I have chosen to trust God's grace and his fairness. Um, statistically, they say that one in six men have been sexually abused, and one in three women. And uh, I'm a part of those stats, and I'm sure many in this room are also. Um, there's a few uh, simple steps that I took to try to help um, me trust God and help me to heal. So I'm just going to share those with you. First, a very long time ago, I was probably middle school age, I chose a verse a life verse, and that verse is Psalm 13, 5. The second part said, says, but I trust in your unfailing love. And uh, by this age, I knew that I needed a verse to cling on to, a promise of God. And I wrote that verse. I've said that verse thousands of times. Um, I've prayed that verse. Um, I've shared that verse. Um, not many days go by where I don't say the verse, Psalm 13, 5, but I trust in your unfailing love. And God's unfailing love for me helps me trust his grace and his fairness. And I just encourage you, if you have had this tragedy as part of your story, that you would cling to a verse or a promise of God. Uh, secondly, um, I chose to forgive the person who hurt me. Um, when we choose to forgive, um, it frees us. Um, forgiveness is something that freed me from bitterness, uh, freed me from anger. 
Um, honestly, I was very young, and I never verbally said these words to the person that hurt me, but I forgave them in my heart. And when we forgive a person, we are also freed from bitterness and from anger. So I would encourage you to forgive the person who has hurt you. Um, we live in a world that is full of sin and sinners. And hurt people hurt people. But God does not sin. God is holy. God is perfect. And I can trust his unfailing love. Lastly, a long time ago, I chose to say that this is part of my story. I don't share this part of my story. Uh, the only reason I'm sharing it today is because of the question that was asked. And it really, uh, really tugged at my heart. But we have to accept that this is part of our story. It's a sad part. Um, it's a frustrating part of my story. But yet, the other side of that is that because of this hurt in my life, I know that I have had to lean on God and be very dependent on him and his word. Um, it has made me cling to God's word and to dig into God's word for his promises. And because of God's word and his unfailing love for me, I have joy. That is part of my story. I can accept love. And I have been healed. I have a healed heart because of God's unfailing love. It's interesting because when we make the choice to forgive other people, it opens up a whole new understanding of how God chooses to forgive us. And I, we talk about forgiveness quite a bit. And we use these phrases, point in time and process. So if this is helpful, forgiveness often involves a point in time where we make the choice to say, I will forgive, even if it doesn't feel right, or even if I'm really offended, I will choose to forgive. That's a point in time. But there's also a process. The point in time doesn't necessarily make everything okay or make the pain go away. It's still there. So that's where the process engages. So forgiveness, point in time and process, and part of your process was a verse choosing to forgive and embracing something painful as part of your story. So point in time and process. I think that's very helpful for thinking about when we walk through forgiveness. Can I just add too, I think it's so important for us to be aware that forgiveness does not mean saying that what someone has done is okay. Mm. It's not okay, but forgiveness is an essential part of our finding healing and wholeness. Hmm. Okay, another question. This is for you, Sherry. Someone asked, when I sin, to me it's like breaking a diet. I tend to binge on sin, feeling I blew it anyway, so why not just keep on sinning? Maybe I'll get back on track next week. How can I stop this cycle of sin binging? What do you think? Well, sin can make us feel hopeless and helpless. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when we have a pattern of failing, usually in a particular area where we have a weakness, uh, it could be different for everyone. 
Um, sometimes we start to think that what we feel is true, that we are hopeless and helpless. Mm. But the good news is that's not true. Uh, you know, the other day I was baking cookies and I got distracted. And I put my hand in the oven without an oven mitt and I grabbed a cookie tray. <laughs> so what did I do? Well, of course, I dropped the cookie tray, ran over to get some cool water in my hand, checked it to see if it was going to blister. It did. And got some ice. Mm. What I did not do is throw down my oven mitt, say, don't need that anymore today. I already burnt my hand. And go on putting trays in and out of the <laughs> oven with nothing on my hand, right? Right. <laughs> if I did that, I could destroy my hand by continuing to burn it. Mm. I don't want that. I want the healing to begin as soon as possible for my poor hand. Mm -hmm. Sin is the same way for us. Even when it seems minor, sin is always leading us away from God, yeah. away from what is good and healthy and healing. So why avoid sin when we know that we will be forgiven? Because sin destroys the moral fabric of our lives, mm. just like grabbing a hot tray from the oven destroys the flesh of my hand. Counting on God to forgive deliberate sin really sucks the sincerity out mm. of repentance. That's right. God has called us to something infinitely better for us and for our communities. Even when forgiven, sin can leave deep scars mm. on us and on the people around us. Mm. And what we don't want to do is to plan on God's forgiveness so that we can get away with sinning mm -hmm. because that offends God's grace and insults the price that Jesus paid for our sin. Yeah, it's almost taking advantage of God, which Romans 6, such a powerful chapter in Scripture, talks about this very thing. And should we just keep on sinning so that God can right. forgive and grace can abound? Well, the phrase is, well, God forbid. That's, that's not a great way to live. And I know you've done a lot of research and study in Romans chapter 6. So share a little bit of that with us. Yeah, Romans is a great book to read if you are interested in learning more about grace and sin and how that all works. Romans 6 says, Since we have been united with Christ in his death, we will also be raised as he was. Our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin will lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also share his new life. So you should consider yourselves dead to sin and able to live for the glory of God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to its lustful desires. Do not let any part of your body become a tool for wickedness to be used for sinning. Instead, give yourselves completely to God since you have been given new life and use your whole body as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Instead, you are free by God's grace. Mm. Learning how to avoid temptation and how to replace sinful habits with 
healthy habits can be a lifelong process, but changing the way we think about sin and grace can help us to start. Such powerful language. Uh, Just going back to verse 11, you should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ. It's great language that helps us to know I don't have to live this way. Very encouraging. Yeah, it sure is. All right, so the, we got the cookies. What happened to the cookies? Because that's I'm distracted with the food part here. So well, what happened? <laughs> they were delicious, according to my cats. <laughs> All right, fair. Uh, okay, Tanya, let's let's change subjects here. Uh, somebody asked, "Is God calling me to change careers, or am I just wanting to change careers?" And I think this kind of speaks to the will of God for my life, and what does God want me to do, and how do I discover that. So what would you say? So this is a great question for me because I have been struggling to figure this out in my own life because our youngest goes into first grade this year. So all of my kids will actually be in school this year for a first time. So I've been trying to figure out, as some of you know, what I should do next, where I should work, uh, what God wants for me. So I'm just going to share a little bit of what I've studied and what I have been working on. So long time ago in college, I took a theology class that talked about the general will of God and the specific will of God. And the general will of God is the same for all of us. The general will of God is to obey God, to love him, to love others, Basically, it's to do what God tells us to do in his word. And that is the same for all of us. Then there is the specific will of God. And this one is just a little bit harder because it is to do whatever you want, (laughs) which isn't real helpful if you're trying to figure out what to do next. But the general will of God and the specific will of God go together. So if we are working hard at doing the general will of God. We're trying to obey him and love him, and we come to him and ask him for forgiveness because we're going to mess up a lot. Then we are living out God's general will. Then we can choose what we want to do career and work-wise. It's up to us. That's the specific will of God. Well, this kind of didn't help me a whole lot because (laughs) so now what what exactly uh, does that mean Um, we have a lot of freedom in Christ Mm. sometimes uh, people say you know Christianity is a lot of rules and a lot of things that we can do and we can't do but basically the rules are for us to bring honor and glory to God and also there's a lot of rules on protecting ourselves and others But then there's a whole open field of freedom. But as I've been struggling with what I should do next, honestly, I wanted God to just say, this is what you should do. This is what you need to do for work. This is your career. And family life will be okay. You'll be able to balance all that. Ministry life will work out okay. It's going to work. But there's no voice. (laughs) I have to make these choices. And I wanted God to do that so I didn't have to have all the conversations and fill out applications (laughs) and take all the time and study. 
and pray and pray and pray. Because when we walk through difficult times and we don't have answers, uh, God brings us to himself. And so in this process of trying to figure out what I should do next, I have been spending a lot of time with God, which is good for me. Uh, Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. So the question, should you change careers? I would say first, uh, check up on your relationship with God. Maybe do some evaluating. Are you on a good track? Are you working hard at obeying God, loving him, and loving others? If you are on a good track and you are living out God's general will, then you need to choose, and you can choose, what you want to do. It's great that God has created us all very uniquely. We are all so different. We have different talents, different loves, different abilities, different degrees, different areas of study, different training, different passions, and we have different stories. And God wants to use all of that together, all of that, so that we can work for him. Because no matter where we work, or what our career is, we are working for him. So I hope that's helpful. Yeah, all work is spiritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is for the, for the Christ follower. So this is a fascinating topic. And I think sometimes we make it a lot more complicated than what it needs to be. There's a sense where you make sure your relationship with God is where it should be. And in our imperfect ways, we keep pushing into that. And then go do what you want to do. Just make a choice and do something. So uh, can I share a story? So in this, in this process with Tanya trying to think through, you know, what's happening, what, one of the things I love doing as a pastor is people will often come to me for career advice, which is kind of interesting because that's not really what I do, but I, I love to have those conversations. So people come in, I'm like, well, you know, what do you like to do? What, what have you done? Your education, and you can consider this, 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 and this, and, you know, I can pray for that, and I know somebody I can contact. So... When Tanya came to me and said, hey, you know, Cambry's going to be in school full-time now, and what, what am I going to do next? I, I kind of went into the pastoral counseling mode, which I do that occasionally with her, and said, well, you could try this, this, and this is exciting, and I can call. And, and she's like, oh, no, 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 don't, don't do that to me. pastor comes home, too. Yeah. So it's fun time. So, yeah, deepen your friendship with God and, and, and go, do, go do what you want to do. There's a lot of freedom in following Christ, which is great. Okay, final question. This is from a phrase taken out of the Lord's Prayer, which we find in Matthew chapter 6. So we taught on that one week back in May and had a good time. You know, what does this prayer actually mean to us and for us? So there's this phrase, lead us not into temptation. So the question is, would God ever tempt us That's what it says, lead us not into temptation. Why would God ever tempt us, and why would we have to ask him not to? Sherry, what do you think? That's a great question, and the answer really lies in the interpretation of biblical text. 
um, Jesus is the source of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we find it in the Gospel of Matthew. So a less confusing translation um, of that verse is, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. That's from the New Living Translation, which is the version of the Bible that we use most often here at Valley Point. James 1.13 tells us that God never tempts anyone to sin, and it is never God's will for anyone to sin. But God allows us to face temptation in our lives. He allows us to face um, testing and trials, difficult circumstances. But when we face test in, um, temptation in our lives, God also helps us to succeed when we're tempted. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can bear. When you are tempted, he will provide you a way out so that you can endure it. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is encouraging us to view God as a source of victory over evil. The whole sentence is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Mm -hmm. God is the one who delivers us, not the one who tempts. Mm. And the first line of this verse, God is faithful. He's faithful, which is encouraging news for all. Well, thank you for taking time to research and respond to some of these questions. I appreciate it, and I know many of you do as well. I want to encourage you to take out your talk notes section again, and let's walk through these takeaways. Here's number one. Ask questions, all right? This is so good for us. Ask questions. And I would just say, if you're here, and you would say you're not a follower of Christ, but you like what's happening at Valley Point or someone has invited you and you're here kicking the tires trying to discover who this person Jesus is, I want you to know you're welcome. I'm glad that you're here. And I would encourage you to keep asking questions as you pursue and as you investigate faith. Beyond those who maybe would say that about themselves that they're not followers of Christ, if you are a believer... Keep asking questions, okay? Which leads to the second takeaway, and that is seek the mind of God in Scripture. So it's fair to ask questions. I would implore of everyone here, when you have a question about faith, about God, about something you don't understand, take that to Scripture, search and dig and put in the hard work. And this is one of the things I appreciate about Sherry and Tanya, that they take questions that I give them, and I know questions you have on your own, and they go right to Scripture. And I think when we do that, God will meet us there, and He'll give clarity. So seek the mind of God in Scripture, search, dig, put in the hard work. As a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, Ben Jones talked about 2 Timothy 3.16, about how all Scripture is given to us by God, and it is useful. It's useful. And then that verse goes on to talk about how it's useful, really, in every arena of life, which is a beautiful thing to consider. So question, question, that's a good thing, but then seek the mind of God in Scripture. One of the things, and we've, we've talked about this, 
One of the things I love about new followers of Jesus, or even those who aren't quite there yet, is that they ask questions. They do. They're inquisitive. What I have discovered is that it seems the longer we walk with Christ, the less curious we become. And faith is just there. It's blah. That's what happens. So get curious, ask questions, seek the mind of God in Scripture, and then do this. Share what you're learning. Pass that on to somebody else. Let them know, here's what God is giving to me, and I just want to give this to you. And I think you'll find Scripture coming to life and even some of the things that you've been wrestling with making more and more sense to you. All of which, when we do this, when we question, when we seek the mind of God in Scripture, when we share what we're learning, here's what happens. Faith is not blah. It's not. And that's what we want to pursue. Just to wrap up our time together, I've asked both Sherry and Tanya to close us out in prayer and ask God to move away from blah faith by turning to him. So let's pray together, Sherry. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us with such reckless abandon. Mm. Remind us to fearlessly come to you to find grace to help us when we need it most. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for this morning where we can be together. Thank you for Valley Point Church. Thank you that we can come and connect and learn from you. Thank you, Lord, for your word and the wisdom that we receive from your word and the hope and the healing. Thank you, Lord, for your unfailing love. Pray, Lord, that you would help us as we go about our week, that we would be a bright light for you, and that we would share your love with others. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.